0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we've been on a series called The Elephant in the Room, and uh, we're going to talk about another elephant in the room today. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you love us, you care for us. And God, today speak to our hearts. Our minds are open, our hearts are receptive. And Lord, today we want to receive from your word. We give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors say, I'm glad you're here today. Amen. Let's talk about money today. Heard about three men who were on a speaking tour about religion. It was a Hindu, a Jewish rabbi, and a televangelist they're driving through the country and their car broke down and so they found an old farmhouse and the farmer said well I can uh, house you but uh, two of you can stay in the house one of you will have to stay in the barn And they said that's fine the Hindu said well I'll stay in the barn so he went to the barn and a few moments later there was a knock on the door and he said I can't stay in this barn there's a cow there and we think cows are sacred and holy and I can't stay in the barn with the cow So the Jewish rabbi said, well, I'll go, and he was there for a while, and later in the night, there was a knock on the door, and he came back to the farmhouse, he said, I can't stay there, there's a pig in the barn, and it's not kosher for a Jewish man to stay in the barn. So the televangelist said, well, I'll go, and somewhere in the night, the pig and the cow knocked on the door. (laughs) Well, how important is money to you? Well, for some people, they think that's all the church talks about, is just money. And then some churches don't talk about it at all. If you don't think it's important, try to take some from your neighbor this morning. We'll see how important it is. It's interesting, recently I heard two things that kind of shocked me. The first one is that China is wanting some Christian businessmen to come in to talk to their business community to help them in their business. Then another article that I uh, recently saw was that the Egyptians are trying to place Christians in some key uh, areas of offices that deal with money and finances because of so much corruption and mishandling of funds. Um, Isn't it interesting that uh, in Muslim countries and atheistic countries, they're wanting Christians to come in and help them because of their character and integrity. They know how money works according to the Word of God. I read a little story about a boy who was praying for two hundred dollars and he prayed and prayed and he decided that he would write Jesus a letter and asking him for two hundred dollars. So he wrote the letter, he mailed it, and the postal people saw the letter, thought it was cute that the little boy was asking Jesus for two hundred dollars and so they decided they would send it to the office of the president and see if he would do something to help this little boy get his $200. And so the president gave it to his advisors and said, here's a cute little letter, uh, see what you can do for this little boy. And the advisor said, well, you know, $200 is a lot for a little kid. So they sent him $20. So the little guy got $20 back, and in his prayer he said, Jesus, next time do not send it through Washington. He said, they kept $180 of my $200, I just got 20 back. <laughs> how many of you have ever felt like the little kid? Yeah, absolutely. So money is an issue, and it's an issue for everybody here, and uh, finding the balance between what is right and what is wrong sometimes is kind of critical, and it's even tough, uh, difficult. And money is amoral. You've heard me say this for years and years and years. Money is amoral. It's either good or bad. It depends how you use it. If it's in the hands of good people, it's good. If it's uh, the hands of bad people, it can be used in a bad way. Uh, Joe Vitale said, money in the hands of good people can do a lot of good things. Isn't that true? If we we have money in the hands of good people, it can do a lot of good things. So I guess we should um, ask ourselves about this issue of money. Um, What can we avoid? What can we do to be prosperous and successful. And then the next question, the big elephant in the room, is that does God want you to be prosperous and successful? Uh, Recently you may have seen an article, one of the big prosperity preachers has just come out that he's repented of his long time prosperity message and he feels like he might be rebuked when he get to heaven by Jesus for doing the prosperity message. Now, Keep this in line here and keep this in thought. Does God want you to be prosperous and successful? And the answer is yes. So don't take my word for it because I'm a preacher. So what does the Word of God say? So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. We're actually going to see what God said about this issue. Now most of you know the story. Uh, Let me set the setting. Joshua's taking over for Moses. How would you like to have that job? You're parting Red Seas, bringing down plagues from uh, heaven and manna and bread from heaven and water from rocks. And then the Lord says, okay, Josh, you're up. Follow that act. And so Joshua's concerned about that. And so he's come to the Lord, and he's he's concerned about him being the leader now, and the Lord now is trying to help Joshua settle into the position. And one of the things he says, he says, As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. So let's pick it up, verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper. Everybody say prosper. Prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but, it, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Everybody say success. So, so here, here's what we know. God wants you to be prosperous and he wants you to be successful. How many believe that? I believe that because that's the Word of God now understand we're not defining this by the world's view of success we're defining this by God's view of success so we know that God wants us to be successful he knows that we should be prosperous so there's some things to uh, engage with some things to do some things not to do so let me just give you a few things that we should be on guard with the first one is this don't listen to bad advice Do not listen to bad advice. Isn't it interesting a lot of people who are not very successful hang with people who give them unsuccessful advice. So we have to be careful that we don't get the wrong kind of advice. Uh, People who haven't seen success most likely will not be able to help you be successful. People can't tell you how to manage what they have never managed themselves. Um, We've had a lot of people over the years, and let me just uh, say this, from the early 1960s, our family has raised cattle, we've planted wheat, we've had hay crops and different things, and we've had over the years a lot of people who have told us how to raise cattle, plant wheat, and do hay that have never raised cattle, planted wheat, or done hay. And they're experts, but let me tell you where most of the experts are uh, dwelling at. They're at the coffee shop, the cafe, the convenience store, and the barbershop. shop. Yeah. I deserve a better amen than that. Yeah. And it doesn't matter any difference what you do. If you're a videographer, if you're working for the news, if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, if you, you know, work for the wildlife refuge, there's a lot of people can tell you how to do your job that's never had a clue what is even remotely involved with that right and everybody faces that makes no difference who it is I mean you go to the doctor and the doctor says, Well, you don't need to do this, and this is a prescription, you know, your gizzard's wrong or whatever. And, and 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 people argue, you know, with the doctor because, you know, you know more than they know. And I've been guilty of that every once in a while. So we have to realize that we have to be careful that we don't get the bad advice. Proverbs twelve, five, the plans of godly people are right, but the advice of sinners will lead you the wrong way. The advice of sinners will lead you the wrong way. Now when David began the Psalms, and this is the the first rattle out of the box, Psalms chapter 1, and if you have it in your Bible, you can follow along with me. But it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Now let's wait for it. Here it comes. Here comes the results of doing this. Verse 3. He shall be like a tree that's planted by the water rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf will not wither and whatever he does shall what prosper whatever he does shall prosper so this is what David says he says now listen don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly don't stand in the way of these people nor do not sit in their place because if you do that then you will not Prosper, you will not be fruitful. So we have to be careful what advice we're getting, especially in junior high and high school. And doesn't get any better in college. It doesn't get any better when you're thirty. It doesn't get any better when you're sixty. And it doesn't get any better when you're eighty. Let me tell you the best advice you'll get on raising kids from old maids and bachelors. <laughs> Some of you get that on my own. Here's the second thing. Focus on the opportunities and not the obstacles. Focus on the opportunities and not the obstacles. Because sometimes all we see is problems. But in every obstacle, there's an opportunity. Let let me give you a verse. This is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. How many of you know we live in evil days? How many of you know 10 years ago it was evil days? How many of you know 50 years ago it was evil days? We live in a fallen world. The fallen world started in the Garden of Eden and it hadn't gotten any better since then. Matter of fact, it's gotten worse. In the last days, evil shall wax worse and worse. So if you're waiting for the right time or a right opportunity, when people get right, when things get right, how many of you know you're going to be waiting till hell it gets cold? Because if you're going to have an opportunity, you're going to have to seize the opportunity. If you wait for everything to be right, it will never be completely right. And so therefore we have to seize the opportunities. Um, Churchill said this, a pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity, an optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. And that's really good news. Here's another one, associate with the right people, associate with the right people. I've said this many times, my parents told me birds of a feather flock together. How many of you hated to hear that when you were a kid? But you know it really is true. 1 Corinthians 15:33, "Do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals." Proverbs 13:20, "Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise; the companion of fools will suffer harm." So we should be hanging out with the right people. How is it that we hang around, we gang around people who are going nowhere and it has become a scourge to our society? People have ganged up, and it's nothing but evil, it's nothing but, you know, chaos, and therefore we're suffering that. Jim Rome once said, he said, you are the average of the five people you spend most of the time with, and that's really true. So we have to be careful who we hang out with, who's our entourage, who's our crew, who's our gang, right? Right? So let me give you just seven people that you should be hanging around with. And I think this is good for you, and it's certainly good for me. Uh, You should be, your people should be those who are positive and encouraging. There's enough negativity out there without hanging around people who are negative. Doesn't mean you don't hate them, it doesn't mean you don't love them, just don't hang with them. Goodness gracious, there's enough negativity out there you don't need anymore. Listen, I've kind of quit watching the news. Anybody here kind of quit watching the news? I'm starting reading my news now instead of watching my news because it's just negativity over and over and over, and it's feeding in your spirit. It's feeding in your soul. It's feeding in your life. So I'm quit watching some of that because I don't want to feast on the negativity. So you need to be around people who are positive and encouraging. Number two, people who believe in you, people who are for you. People who want you to succeed. Number three, people who are relentless workers. People who are just hard workers. Now, I know, you know, I'm, you know, just sharing some things that are just very easily gleaned, you know, from what we would think is the simplicity of life. But I'm going to tell you, some people just not getting it today. Can I hear an amen? So, people who are relentless workers. Number four, people who have dreams, visions, and goals. They're going somewhere. They're believing for things. They're setting goals. And so if you don't set a goal, I'll guarantee you you'll probably hit it. So people who have dreams, visions, and goals. Number five, people that you can ask questions, you can model and imitate in your life. Number six, people who have godly character and integrity. You know, talent may get you there, but if you don't have integrity and character, you won't stay there. A lot of smart, rich people have done dumb stuff. And they have got into situations that their notoriety, even their fortune, and their success has tumbled back down because of the lack of character and integrity. And so we need to have people in our life that have character and integrity. Number seven, people that have had some successes. So if they've had some success, maybe they can share with you how to have some success. So we need those kind of people in our life. Here's another one. Don't be lazy. Say that with me very loud. Don't be lazy. If you didn't say that, maybe you were lazy. Don't be lazy. Proverbs 10 and 4. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Another translation. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. There's a reason people are poor. I want to say this again. There is a reason people are poor. And I know you're probably not going to like what I'm going to say in this point, but I'm going to say it anyway. Proverbs 14, 23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. In America, we think because we talked about it, we did it. Isn't that true? And lazy people have a sense of entitlement. Who's going to do this for me? Who's going to do this for me? Who's going to do this for me? Out of the people, and this is an odd statistic, I researched it, out of the people who can work, Out of the people who can work, only 61% of the people who can work do work. Now listen, I'm not talking about those who are disabled. I'm not talking about widows. I'm not talking about retirees. I'm talking about only 61% of the people who can work do work, which means 39% of the people in America who could work just don't work. And you say, well, pastor, you know, we need to help, and it's very biblical, we need to help the widow and the orphan and those who, you know, are compromised, and we should. As a church, we do. We do that every week. I don't know if you know that. We do that every week. We send thousands of dollars to missions around the world. We do this all the time. But just in case that you get hung up, well, you know, we need to help the the orphan and the fatherless and the widows and those who are disabled and those who are compromised. Yes, we should. But there's other verses in the Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Now, should we have a safety net? Yes, we should. you know I'm not against helping people there's a huge amount of people who are on welfare that need that and even those folks who say you know I'm just not getting by you know I'm just poor uh, here's something else that you can chew on as you go home today if you're on welfare today you're in the top 20% of wage earners in the world if you've ever been to a third-world country and many of you have there are people in Mexico and Guatemala And Honduras and Peru and all through South America. There are people in Africa and India and China and Russia and Eastern Europe that don't make nearly a portion or percentage of what people in America on welfare make. So let me give you a perspective. Even if you're on government subsidy, you are in the top 20% of income bracket of the world. Not in the United States, but of the world. Because there's people working for a dollar a day. Five dollars a day. Ten cents an hour. There are billions of people that are compromised, that don't even hardly eke out a living. And sometimes we complain because we're not making it like we think we should when the rest of the world is really struggling. So we need not to be lazy. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now let's shift gears. Everybody say amen. amen. I'm ready to shift with you. So four things we need to understand about money. Four things we need to understand about how this process works. Here's number one. We need to understand who owns what. We need to understand who owns what. And here's the verse that's going to help you. This is Psalm 24, verse 1. A Psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. This is what the Bible says. God owns everything in the world. He owns everybody in the world. And if there's anything in the world, he owns it. So if I say, who owns what? You don't own squat. Can you say squat in church? Is that what it said? The earth, the fullness of the earth, everybody who's in the earth, everything that's in the earth is belonging to who? Who? The lord why he created it It, it's all his so i have to understand who owns what he owns everything which brings me to number two i have to understand where i fit in in this equation where do i fit in that if he owns everything then how do i fit in so how do you fit in i'm glad you asked me i'm going to tell you you and i are stewards it's a biblical term we're stewards it's found in the Bible. Uh, Paul said we're stewards of the mysteries of God we're stewards of the things of God if God owns everything if the cattle on the thousand hills is his not only does he own the cattle he owns the hills the cattle are on right so the earth and the fullness of the earth is his everybody in the earth everything on the earth is the Lord's so now I understand that I am a steward And a steward doesn't own anything. The steward is given everything to use it and to increase it. The steward is to use it and increase it. And so therefore, that's what we do. Matt, come up here and help me. Matt helped me in the early service. To understand the stewardship of God, we have to realize there's a fiduciary uh, contract, if you will, between us and God. Banks know this. Because if I give Matt... A $100 bill, and I was just so lucky I had one in my billfold today If I give him a hundred dollar bill and I say Matt, I want you to hold that for me, you know keep it in safekeeping I'm gonna come back for it later And so let's say a few months go by and I come back to Matt and said Matt I'd like to have my hundred dollar bill and he says well well, Pastor Mike uh, Mary and I went out to eat the other night and uh, (laughs) you know we went to Oklahoma City went to the movies and uh, you know here's your change How many of you know that's not a very good responsibility? But see, here's the deal. If I put money in the bank, how many of you expect to get it back out? Okay, half of you expect to get it out. Brad, that's a good deal. You're a banker, so it's good for you. But if the Lord owns everything, what's he done? He's given it to you you and I. He gave it to Matt. And he says, now keep this and do what's right with it. So if if I give it to Matt and he uses it irresponsibly and then I I need it later and, and I ask for it back and he gives me the change, how many of that just doesn't work? So I have to understand, I'm a steward. I'm just holding what God's given me. But he has given me the opportunity to take what he's given me and not only hold it, but what? Increase it. Increase it. Give Matt a hand. Thank you, Matt. now when I understand this I understand this to whom much is given much is required so to whom much is given much is required so what does that mean it means there's greater responsibility there's greater obligation and there's greater opposition I think you'll agree with me everybody's out to get your money everybody's out to get your money advertisements galore wanting you to buy things you don't even need and then you buy it and you don't ever use it how many of you have apps on your phone you haven't used in a long long time I'm gonna hold up both hands how many of you got things you just absolutely had to have it's in the back of the closet you don't ever use it anymore me too I mean, there's this appetite. The the culture's creating, you need this, you need this, you need this, you need this, you need this. And so therefore, we're not very responsible to who much is given, what much is required. So we have to be, you know, obligated to understand that. We have to have greater responsibility. And there's also greater opposition because people and things are after your money. Now, when we say that there is greater responsibility in this parable that jesus gives there are some servants some employees and the master comes along and he gives some talents out he gives some things out he gives one five one two one one how many of you remember the the parable he gives the one five and he gives the one two the one one and he expected each one to do something with what he gave them god has given everybody here something You have a talent, you have a gift, you have things, you're going to have things, you have a life that he wants you to increase and multiply and then give back to him more than he ever gave to you. And he put that ability in every person here. Everybody has that ability. So we're not leaving today to say, well, what did he do? Everybody here has that ability. You know, just like we saw today, there are people who can play and sing. I'm looking here at Brenna, who's a beautiful singer who's visiting with us today. And and some of you can work hard. Some of you are entrepreneurs. Some of you have offices. Some of you have things that, you know, I in no way can do. And God blessed you with that. Maybe he blessed me with something. So he says, okay, my, what I gave you, you steward it, you take it, you multiply. So we have to understand who owns what. I don't own squat. I have to understand that I fit into this equation as a steward. Third thing, I have to understand the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping. Now, when I say that, it applies to everybody. I don't know if you know who Derek Carr is. Does does anybody know who Derek Carr is? Okay, a few of you do know who, most of you don't know. Derek Carr is the quarterback for the Oakland Raiders. Derek Carr has a salary that's in the top 10 of quarterbacks in the NFL he makes 25 million dollars a year so his signing was for 125 million dollars this does not count his endorsements or all the other stuff he does which brings in millions of dollars but just his salary from the Oakland Raiders NFL team is 25 million dollars a year how many of how you would like to have a income of 25 million dollars a year Okay, if you lie, you fry. Okay. <laughs> I'm holding my hand up. So, he, he signs with the Raiders, $25 million a year. He was, he was interviewed by CBS, and I want to read part of the interview. So, $25 million a year, and this is what he said, the first thing I'll do is pay my tithe. Amen. 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 The first thing I'll do is pay my tithe like i have done since i received my first seven hundred dollars in scholarship to go to college so when he went to college he got a scholarship helped pay for books and tuition he tithed off of that and then at 25 million dollars he said the first thing i'll do is tithe off of my salary He said, the next thing I'll do is buy my wife something nice. What a wise man. (laughs) What a wise man. But then he said something that really made me smile in the CBS interview. He said, my wife is still clipping coupons. How many of you know, if you've been there and you've lived a certain way, even when it gets better, you're still doing some of the same things you did before because that's what you did to get through. Come on, somebody say amen. He said, "The first thing I'm doing is I'm going to tithe. I'm going to buy my tithe. I'm going to buy my wife something nice, and then I'm going to tell her she can quit clipping coupons." We understand the law of sowing and reaping. Uh, God is going to bless you. He, he's going to give you shaken together, pressed down, running over, shall men heap into your bosom. You know what that is? That's the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter six seven. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, this shall he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap the flesh. If you sow the spirit, you'll reap the spirit. You sow the right thing, you'll reap the right thing. Sow the wrong thing, you're going to reap the wrong thing. Somebody say amen. Now here's some observations very quickly about sowing and reaping. It applies to everyone, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. Makes no difference who you are. This is a law. This is a spiritual law. It is a physical law. Here in a few weeks, we're going to plant some wheat. When I plant wheat, I'm not expecting pumpkins. <laughs> not be nice, but I'm not expecting pumpkins. When I plant wheat, guess what I think I'm going to harvest? I'm going to harvest some wheat. If you're planting beans, you're not going to harvest corn. It is the law of sowing and reaping. It applies to everyone. We reap what we sow. We reap more than we sow. So when you sow something, as you did today, and as you may this week, or next week, or whatever, then by the Word of God, you can expect, by faith, that you're going to reap more than you sown. That's the law of God. That's not my law, it's not your law, it's the law of God. It's what the Word says. When Noah stepped off the ark, and this thing about the flood is over, this is what the Lord said. He said, seed time and harvest will continue to the end of the world some people say well it ended at the old covenant honey it's gonna it's gonna still be here at the end of the world seed time and harvest so it applies to everyone you're gonna reap what you sow you're gonna reap more than you've sown and you reap later than you've sown for me to go out and plant wheat here in a few weeks and pull the tractor in and walk out to the field and say where's the wheat how come it had not come up yet how many of you would say, pastor needs an examination? Because this is what we know in the natural. It takes a while for the seed in good ground to germinate, have roots, and even though we don't see it, something's going on. Something that's going on outside of your sight, something is going on underground, and one day you will see it come to fruition, and you'll see it spring up. And you will reap more than you sow. And here's the last one, the fourth one. I have to understand that honoring God with what I have been given is very important. I have to understand that honoring God with what I've given, been given is very important. Arnold Patton says, the sole purpose of money is to express appreciation. The sole purpose of money is to express appreciation. If you go to a restaurant, if you have a great waiter or waitress, you tip them, what are you doing? You're expressing appreciation. You get a good deal on a car, you buy a refrigerator a dishwasher, clothes, shoes, what are you doing? There's an exchange of money there. You appreciate the product that you're getting. Amen? Amen. Uh, Sometimes just the appreciation is part of it, but most of the time there is an exchange there. When we took Aaron to college, uh, it was the first time that he's moving into the dormitory. So he's got his pickup loaded up. We got our car loaded up. We go up to Bethany, and uh, we're getting ready to get him into college. And he has a flat on his pickup. So while they're getting things ready, I took the, the tire off, and I take it to a tire place. I don't know these people. I can't even remember the name of the tire place. It's been many years ago. And so I said, flat here. My son had a flat on his truck. Can you fix it? The guy was really nice. He starts fixing the, the tire. And he said, well, what are you doing up here? I said, well, my son's enrolling in college his first day. We're trying to help him get in. So he fixes the flat. And I said, how much do I owe you? He said, nothing. Just tell your son to have a great time in college. And I said, no, I want to pay you. He said, no. He said, just, you know. Take it and just bless your son. And if he ever has any other needs, tell him this is the place to come. And I said, listen, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Now, if I bring him 100 tires, how many many of you think he may say, hey, I'd like some exchange for the appreciation here, monetary. So this is the way the world works. this appreciation of services or goods or products is an exchange of money and let me tell you you and god had an exchange and he uses a term here that we use all the time it's one of the most memorized verses in the bible for god so loved the world that he gave say that with me that he gave you can give without loving but you cannot love without giving In this exchange of our salvation, it's because God loved us that he gave his only begotten son. There was an exchange there. It's value being exchanged. And goodness gracious, the value of the son of God for people like me and the value of the son of God for people like you. Now let's end on this because this is what you're going to ask. This is the elephant in the room. But pastor, there are people who, who don't care a flip about sowing and reaping. They don't care about honoring God. They don't care about value. They don't care about love. And there's people who are prosperous and successful all over the world. And they don't care anything about the things of God. And you're exactly right. But let me give you a line here. Let me give you a line. You take it home with you. Are people wealthy or are they healthy? Wealthy. There's a lot of people wealthy, but they're not healthy wealthy. There are people who are wealthy, they have money, they have influence, and a lot of them are some of the most miserable people you will ever meet. They've been married about 15 times, their kids hate them, their grandkids hate them, because their one focus was what? Success and money. Do not define this prosperity and success by the world's standard. Do not define it by this culture because this culture will lead you astray and especially our young people they're going to see these people that they see on videos youtubes movies um music videos and they're going to see them over and over that's going to be their model and what they don't know these people are dysfunctional they're on drugs and many of them commit suicide now that doesn't mean that people don't have issues with things that obviously our heart goes out to and you never can get into somebody's mind and so we're not going to be judgmental to them. Can I hear an amen? amen. But let, let me say, a lot of these people that our young people are attracted to, they may be wealthy, but here's the question. Are they healthy wealthy? What's their family life like? What's their marriage like? What's their children like? What's their grandchildren like? What's their private life like? Can they function? And many of them are totally dysfunctional. And only we see just snippets of their life and we see the wealth, but we don't see the health or the lack thereof. So I have to understand that honoring God with what we have been given is very, very important. And this is what God is saying. Everything is mine. Everything is mine. I own it all. I'm going to give it to you and I'll bless you for a dime. I'll bless you for a dime. And there's going to be some of you say, Pastor, that's just old law. And let me tell you, that never started under the law. That started by faith. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. And you and I are blessed to be a blessing. And you will be so much happier if you will take the blessing and not only use it for yourself, but be a blessing to somebody else. We are blessed to be a blessing. Say that with me. We are blessed to be a blessing. And one of the greatest blessings you will ever have is to know the one who blesses you. We're not in it because of what we can get. We're in it for the one who is the giver. It's not just the gift. It's the giver. And the giver is Almighty God. Bow your head with me we are so thankful you joined us today we would love to hear from you at ray of hope podcast at gmail.com let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you remember christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything